All right. Lots to talk about tonight. University Woke universities are um, coming under a lot of fire right now. We're going to dive into that. A lot of anti-Semitism in American universities right now. The government, surprise, surprise, is spying on us through our cell phones. It has been confirmed by both Apple and Google. Going to dive into that. And uh, this FBI stealing $86 million from private uh, safe deposit boxes. Got an update on that one. If you're watching the replay, skip ahead three minutes. Watch the rest of the show. Um, hit the thumbs up, follow the channel, and if you're watching live, jump into the live chat. We will be back in a minute.
McDonald in Atlanta, joined by Daniel Munoz in Minnesota. What's up, Danny? Nothing, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great. I just noticed all my background is blue. I didn't change my lights to the uh, to the funky colors, so I'm feeling a bit chilly. Colored lights will do that to you. You know that? I don't know if you've ever noticed that. You set your lights to blue, you'll feel colder than it actually is. Set them to red, feel a bit warmer. I don't know if that's just me or everybody, but that certainly works with me. Um, whatever. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good all to right. be back. Thank you all for tuning in. I get cold when I read cold things. Like when we read Bear Town, I was cold the whole time. Right. I, it's it's got to be a psychological, psychological thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It is Monday, December 11th, TPS Report Live. Thank you all for being here. We appreciate you. We'll say hi to our friends at the first break, Danny. We're going to get all started right. with a, uh, we're going to revisit an old story. Um, we covered this about two years ago. It, coming up on two years ago, remember when the FBI raided a, they raided yes. a safe deposit box company that they suspected of money laundering. And as part of that raid, they seized all the property of all the customers who held safe deposit boxes at this facility. And it totaled about $86 million in private wealth that the FBI confiscated and then initiated, uh, what do they call it, civil forfeiture proceedings on. None of these people, by the way, the customers, none of them have ever been charged with a crime. None of them were ever suspected of being part of the money laundering. They were simply customers of a company that was, that, was, that was engaged in illicit activities themselves. And the company itself did, in fact, plead guilty to uh, whatever it was alleged. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. And uh, they pled guilty. And that, that part is over and done with. But the FBI have refused to return this $86 million worth of property. So now a woman who uh, had her life savings stolen is fighting back to, oops, shouldn't have pressed that, is now fighting to help others get theirs back. Linda Martin and hundreds of others had their life savings seized by the FBI in a raid on a California safe deposit company. Two years later, she's seeking justice. FBI agents cataloged Cartier bracelets, Rolex watches, and stacks of cash as they combed through the safe deposit boxes seized from a Beverly Hills business accused of money laundering. But the owners of many of those boxes were not accused of any crimes. After hearing arguments from both sides Thursday, a panel of judges from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals will decide whether the sweeping raid violated customers' Fourth Amendment rights. I think the public sees this and recognizes that this is just a total abuse of people's constitutional rights. Institute for Justice senior attorney Rob Johnson told Fox News, adding that he felt extremely optimistic about the panel's forthcoming decision. So this judicial panel now, Danielle, is going to decide whether the FBI get to keep what they stole or whether they have to give it back. 
they this panel has to determine whether these private citizens' Fourth Amendment protection against illegal search and seizure were violated by the FBI forcibly emptying their safe deposit boxes, stealing the contents of those boxes, keeping it absent any... No not, charges. Not even charges, absent any even allegation right. of a of crime. Wrongdoing. Right. How we got here is beyond me. How we get to the point where the Ninth Circuit... Where, where the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has to decide whether our Fourth Amendment rights protect us from the illegal search and confiscation of a fucking safety deposit box. It's beyond me, but that's where we are. Two years later, and the FBI just don't want to give it up. But that what is are they, amazing. And here's the thing. What are the FBI going to do with right. Cartier bracelets, Rolex watches, and piles of cash? The only thing I can... Well, they can either liquidate it, in which case they're going to get pennies on the dollar. Right. Or they can hand it out as retirement gifts. Right. To a, that's the only thing I can yeah, think finders, of. finders, keepers. And if that's what they're doing is playing a game of finders keepers so that uh, somebody can retire after 15 years with a nice Rolex, um, it should be criminal is what it should be. And uh, unfortunately, sovereign immunity protects them from any uh, criminal repercussions here. But I'll tell you what, man, if you were if you were one of these people that had your just your life savings, your most valuable, precious objects, which could include, by the way, birth certificates. Right. Your your baby's teeth. That well, and I you know how we know out. they were precious and valuable? They were they in, a in a safe deposit, deposit box. box. Yes. They literally paid a place to secure those. Right. Uh, and, and we expect a safe deposit box to be the most secure. Safe for you to deposit your stuff. It's, it's in the name. It's safer than a, than a safe in your home. You'd think. Or, or it should be right. until the FBI come and knock in and um, don't charge you with anything. Just use the rules of civil asset forfeiture uh, to their own benefit so that they can have Rolexes and Cartier bracelets. It's you know absolutely benefit, sickening. You know what benefit the safe in my home has? I know the owner of that. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure, within reason, I know the crimes they've committed. Yeah. The owner of the safe in my home, not the actual, like, safe deposit box place. hmm So, you know. Yeah. Just saying. Look, I have safes, right? I have safes. And absent a court order, and quite frankly, even even in, in light of a court order, I'm highly unlikely to provide any of the combinations to anyone for any reason, they can get into my safe in 10 minutes flat. Simple as that. I don't have to do your job for you. Right. So I know that my safe isn't secure. But a safe deposit box inside of a bank vault has always, always been considered off-limits, sacrosanct. Right. so to speak. 
and the FBI here. And this, remember, this was this was precedent setting at the time, which is why we talked about it. Yes. It was precedent setting that they went and it was such a blanket warrant. It was such a, the, the warrant that allowed them to do this was of such scope that I don't know we'd ever seen a warrant like this before. Think about the warrant that allowed them to search Donald Trump's place and then loosen it by about yeah. tenfold. Lay that and, thing open, yeah. And and that, that was the scope of their warrant for this thing, where people with no not even an allegation, not even a scent of a crime, and they busted open their boxes and took everything in it. And the people have never seen anything back. And when you consider what could have been in there, passports, birth certificates. Um, again, I, I talked about like your baby's teeth. I don't know if people save those after they've knocked them out of their babies. But you may put them in a safe deposit box as a memento. Um, you Especially know, depending your, on what you did with the body. Your grandfather's watch or whatever, you're, you know, a, a family heirloom right. that's been handed down for generations, a um, an, enge an engagement ring that's been handed down through your family for generations. The FBI just took all of it. And now a court has to determine whether it um, was... Years later. Years later. A court's going to decide whether maybe they overstepped. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. Rumpel says, I love you actually put interactive chat in your graphics. I mean, what else, I don't know what else to call it. It's kind of an interactive chat. We we uh, we talk to y'all and uh, y'all talk to us. That's kind of that's kind of interactive, yeah. isn't it? I think. Yeah. Speaking of the chat, let's say hi to our friends. Michelle, Michelle Brown is here. What's up, Michelle? Hey, Michelle? Good to see you. Peggy Brown is here. What's up, Peggy? Good to hi, see Peggy. you. And Rumpel. Rumpel's here. Glad to have you back. Hey, buddy. Bill Campbell is here. What's up, Bill? Simplify. Hey, hey, Bill, I'm thinking of going live tomorrow at uh, 9 p.m. over on This Week in Rockdale. So uh, it'd be, it'd, I think it'll be my first this, with this Week in Rockdale in over a year, Danielle. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, there's some shady bullshit going on here, quite frankly. So 9 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, Janine Shaner's here. Hey, Janine. Good to hey, see Janine. you. Uh, Cameron Anderson. What's up, Cam? Hey, Cam. Uh, your mom's here. Hey, Rita. Hi, Thank you for being here. Uh, that's everyone that said hi. Jump into the live chat. Say hi at us. Be, be part of our interactive chat. Dude, now you got me all curious because I listened to, well, I had to go back and listen today to Larry's show because I fell asleep. Right. But. Oh, it's to do with the courthouse. Well, it's not even a courthouse anymore. It's the oh, administrative yeah, yeah. thing. The uh, the hundred and ten million that's actually not on. Larry and I predicted already that it was going to cost way more than the one ten. Well, they confirmed today that their budget's actually one forty, and it's likely to go way over. Oh my god! Yeah, so we'll be we'll be talking about that tomorrow. And there's there's some nonsense to do with the bonds, and, and we'll get into it all tomorrow. Tonight, this is, uh, sorry. Yeah. And, and I don't recommend anybody that watches this show, unless you live in my County, I wouldn't recommend you watch it unless you just like to oh, hear I, about. I wholeheartedly recommend yeah. that you watch it. Y'all, it is seriously the best freaking <laughs> reality TV show that I watch. I watch it every week. It is reality TV at its finest. Mm. 
Yeah, it's uh, well, we'll see. I think Larry's going to come on with me as well. So yes, we'll see what happens. All right, let's talk about this. Parents outraged after trans identifying boy wins girls Irish dancing competition and heads to the worlds. Danielle. First, uh, a teenage boy who identifies as a girl is heading to the Irish Dancing World Championships after placing first in the under 14 2023 Southern Regional. I've no idea what that says. That's some Irish word. Can you pronounce that? Oratax? Oratrax? Oriacts? Yeah, Oriacts. Competitions. Parents of girls competing in Irish dance are frustrated and outraged, saying they cannot understand why a boy with physical advantages is allowed to dance against their daughters. Listen, it's the, uh, it's a tale as old as time. It's Billy Elliot is what it is. Yeah. It's a Remember t- that movie? Billy About Ed- the boy Irish dancer? Billy Elliot? Wasn't it Billy Elliot? Wasn't Billy Elliot a Adam Sandler movie? No, that was Billy Madison. Yeah. <laughs> then, then no. I know uh, Bill Elliott was a NASCAR driver. He never wore a dress. No, it was a, a, a boy. Yeah, it was a boy that wanted to do like Irish step dancing or some shit. Was it really? I swear it was Billy Elliott. Okay, I might be completely wrong. You know, I, I'm not familiar with I might have been high that. and made that up. But listen, it's a story as old as time or as old as five years boy right. boy puts on a dress and clogs and uh irish clogs his way to the world championships while uh stepping on young girls all the way there right nothing other to say about this than that to be honest with you it's just another example of a boy stealing opportunity from girls simple as that and um We'll keep pointing them out. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm, I am, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little bit speechless because I don't know. I'm surprised. I don't know if I think that this is, they gave it to him because they had to, because he's a boy in a dress. Because otherwise I'm surprised that a boy beat girls at this because this is one of those, we talked about this the other day, that males have an advantage over females in competitions that require like strength and speed but this requires a little more like finesse finesse yeah but but i guess they're little enough they haven't gone through puberty well here's the thing you have to remember there's a lord of the dance but not a lady of the dance michael flatley is that his name the lord of the dance yeah i don't know how i I don't know how i know that oh no i I understand but like you're british which is american for gay but go ahead yeah, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. There's a ton of ladies that do it, but the person that got the most notoriety for it was a dude, right? I didn't, I didn't see a Vegas right. show for a female no, yeah, yeah. lady of that. By speaking of lords and ladies, Danielle and I are a lord we and a lady. Fact. Yeah, yeah. So you know, address Just, you. You, know, you may yeah. address us as yes. such in the interactive chat if you choose to. Um, just another boy taking an opportunity away right. from girls. Yeah. Uh, another governing body that tells the competitors if you if you even mention any any 
any hint of displeasure and you'll be disqualified and punished. And um, it's just, it sickens me is what it does. It absolutely sickens me. But this is where we're at, Danielle. Yep. Yeah, it's Spe- awful. Yeah. Um, speaking of trannies, lawsuits are on the rise for detransitioners. Now, Danielle pointed out to me that we've actually spoken about the young lady who's at the podium. She was, uh, uh, we talked about her Chloe, lawsuit. Right? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Chloe Cole. Yep. We, we talked about her lawsuit, um, gosh, six months ago? It's been a while, yeah. It's been a long time. She was the first one. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, we we predicted on that show that this is going to become far more common yep. as, as these kids are manipulated into doing this. Um, I don't know. I can't say against their will because at the time it, the kids are convinced that this is what they want to do. And everybody takes advantage of that and just reinforces in them that you need to do this. I agree. It's not against their will, but they can't consent. Mm -hmm. They're not old. Legally, they're not old enough to consent. Right. So, I mean, by definition, like their will doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're absolutely yeah, and and adults should know better, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. And it's the adults, it's the uh, the p- people in a position of power that are effectively manipulating Ramming these kids into this them. position yeah. to where they're undergoing chemical and medical procedures, surgeries to to change the their sex, their gender, whatever it is, um, and then once once they grow up they realize, ooh, probably wasn't the best choice made there. And they rightly realize that that choice was made for them. And now the lawsuits are starting to come in a lot faster. As the number of people who have chosen to detransition out of a transgender identity continues to grow, a parallel increase in lawsuits filed by detransitioners against gender clinics and medical professions, professionals is also occurring. November of last year, Danielle, it was over a year ago. In November last year, 18-year-old Chloe Call became the first detransitioner to file a medical malpractice suit against Kaiser Permanente, as well as the doctors who had advised her to undergo gender transition procedures and performed them over a five-year period, beginning when she was 13. The lawsuit noted that as a result of undergoing puberty blockers, off-label cross-sex hormone treatment, and a double mastectomy, Chloe experienced deep emotional wounds, severe regrets, and distrust for the medical system. She has suffered physically, socially, neurologically, and psychologically. In June, Kaiser was sued by a second detransitioner in California. At the advice of her doctors, Kyla Lovedahl began taking puberty blockers age 12 and underwent a double mastectomy at age 13. Lovedahl's doctors did not question, elicit, or attempt to understand the psychological events that led Kayla to the mistaken belief that she was transgender nor did they evaluate, appreciate, or treat her multifaceted 
presentation of comorbid symptoms, a lawsuit stated. Earlier this year, a new law, for law firm was launched in Dallas that specifically serves detransitioners who are seeking recompense for being victims of what they say is medical malpractice. So far, Campbell Miller Payne has filed lawsuits on behalf of four clients, and the firm says it is currently in discussions with 40 more potential clients, according to founding partner Jordan Campbell. It is only the beginning. Normally, I would have unkind words for an ambulance-chasing legal practice. What I will say about this legal practice is that they are doing the Lord's work. Yep, somebody has to help these kids. I wish there was an organization that was able to get involved before a child even got to this point. But those organizations either don't exist or have been demonized out of uh, out of society. All we hear about, all we see, and all we read about are these clinics that positively affirm. I'm going to say the parents' choices because it, in, in general, this is the parents' choice, not the child's. Um, and go out of their way to harm children. I don't see advocacy groups getting any airtime in the press, in the media. Uh, I, 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 if I don't hear about them, I imagine the kids that are suffering through this aren't hearing about any avenue for help that they might get. These kids are immediately point appointed to these affirming gender clinics rather than to an advocacy center. Right. But Al, I got to push back just a little bit. I don't, I agree that parents are, are pushing too, but I think a lot of times the kids are making these decisions decisions and it's because they're, they're scared and they're, they're kids. They're going through hormonal changes that, happen normally in your body when you go from being a kid to being a teenager and they, you know, now they're on social media. And so they see these videos about, you know, are you feeling this way and that way? Well, maybe you're transgender. So I think they are being, as we've talked about time and again, it's the social contagion and their friends are catching it. So I think a lot of it, the kids do like find these ideas places, but instead of the parents saying, dude, calm down, dude, little Susie, you're not a fucking boy. You're a girl going through some hormonal changes. Let's, you know, let's go to the mall. Let's, let's go hit hot topic and maybe get an ice cream and calm the fuck down and, you know, see if we can't work this out. And girls turn into aliens at age 13, and then they become human again at about 21. And if during that time somebody says to you, no, you know, this is perfectly normal for you. You're not, you're not, it's because you're actually male. So take these drugs and 
I know we've talked about all of these things, but when a girl takes testosterone, there's a natural sort of um, mood elevation that comes along with it. So immediately, once the girl starts taking tea, she's like, oh, I do feel better. Like whatever it is that I was feeling, oh, it's better now. So, you know, it sort of lessens that the edge that you get with just normal puberty changes. Right. So, sorry, I didn't mean to go all the way down that rabbit no, hole. No, it's perfectly but fine. A lot of fun. it is the kids, but instead of the parents guiding them back onto sort of the normal track, they jump with them and go off on this. Yeah. yeah, you are trans because they're being lied to and told that it's better to have a transgender female child than a dead male child. Yeah. And if there is if there is an organization that um, provides counseling and and let let's let's call it what it is sound advice. If right. there is one of those, and the parents prefer to point their child to that and the child complains to their teacher then the government gets involved and accuses the parents of of something criminal not affirming your child's gender and in california they can come and steal your kid from right. you never mind stealing the contents out of your safe deposit box they can come and steal your children for you in California, if you're a responsible adult that makes responsible decisions and doesn't want your daughter to go and get her tits lopped off. Right. So absolutely ridiculous. I'm glad that this law firm has kicked off. I I don't know. Hopefully they're they're doing this. I imagine this is all on contingency. They're going to sue the right. medical for medical yeah, malpractice. Sure. They'll keep a, a portion, obviously, that's I think it's like 30 percent attorneys keep these days um, because these kids have been through enough without having to fight to come up with the money for an attorney as well. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Rumpel, who is our transgender male friend who, you know, is open about that and came on the show and talked to us yep. about his journey says, uh, this is my point. This is why teaching gender ideology is wrong. It just confuses normal kids and doesn't help real trans kids. Mm -hmm. 100%. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the world we live in, man, the world we live in. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm well, good luck to these guys. I'll and we're going to see, we talked about this at the time when we talked about Chloe's case. I asked you this and I can't remember your answer, but what do you think now that we're really starting to see the cascade of cases, what is the backlog? Like when we saw doctors being sued for malpractice, that's when their insurance went up and medical fees went up and all of that. Are we going to see the same thing again with this now, do you think, or... I'll tell you what I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see the, the the far left, the hard left progressives in Congress try to push for a liability shield for any um, any doctors that perform gender reassignment surgeries. That's what are. I think. Because they're yes, because they're serving an underserved minority. It it's the new it's it literally is their yes. new religion. Um, you cannot, you cannot speak out against it. I mean, look at what the Daily Wire went through trying to get actors for their movie. Actors right. were telling them, there were actors telling them, dude, you know I would love to do a Daily Wire bit, but I can't do this one. 
that would be it would be the end of their careers, literally, because it is the new religion. Um, it's all I can do not to watch that movie, by the way, because we're waiting to watch it together. Yeah, yeah we're going to watch it when you're down here. So. Killing me. All right, let's move on. We got a lot to get to. All right, let's go. Uh, oh, actually, I need this story first. Governments are spying on Apple and Google users through phone notifications, U.S. Senator says. Senator Ron Wyden said in a letter that the companies should be allowed to be transparent about such legal demands. Ron Wyden warned that foreign governments are spying on smartphone users by compelling Apple and Google to turn over push notification records, according to a letter he sent to Attorney General Merrick Garland on Wednesday. Um, Wyden said his office investigated a tip from last year alleging that government agencies have been demanding these records from both companies. Since push notifications like news alerts, email, and social media alerts travel through Apple and Google servers, they can reveal unique insights about how individual people use particular apps, Wyden explained in the letter. Governments can force Apple and Google to hand over these records, just like they can be compelled to share any other information they have regarding their users. However, Wyden said, information about push notification records cannot be released to the public. Apple and Google should be permitted to be transparent about the legal demands they receive, particularly from foreign governments. Just as the companies regularly notify users about other types of government demands for data, Wyden wrote, I would ask that the DOJ repeal or modify any policies that impede this transparency. So what he's getting at there, Danielle, is that governments, and by the way, the U he's referring to foreign governments, but the American government's doing this as well. Apple and Google confirm this. Um, Apple and Google felt empowered to talk about this because Senator Wyden actually brought it up because legally they're not allowed to. The law specifically prohibits Apple and Google and anyone else in the field. The law prohibits them from notifying anyone that this practice was, number one, taking place, and number two anyone that was targeted by it. They were, it was a carve out in the law that specifically prohibited, prohibited them from doing it. And here's the thing. This isn't metadata. This is the contents of your push notifications. So if you get your uh, iMessage alerts or your Google messages alerts and they pop up on your home screen as a push message, the government is getting access to that. They're not simply getting the date and time and phone number that, uh, that the message came through. They're getting the contents of that message. They're getting the contents of everything that comes in as a push notification. Now, I had no idea this was happening. And I've since gone in and enabled the setting on my phone that... Um, conceals the, the contents of the push message on my lock screen, okay? Whether that bypasses or fixes this, uh, the ability of the government to then snoop, I don't know. Because as soon as I unlock the phone, 
uh, push I could, notification if, if comes I, through. Well, if I go to the notification center, I can read the message, right? right. At that point, it's been unencrypted and um, they'll be able to get access to it if they need to. Well, this was just Senator Wyden who was uh, alleging this in his letter. Apple and Google have now confirmed, like I said, that they were able to do this. Government agencies have been spying on fart, uh, smartphone users through push notification sent out by apps. Um, this is just a recap. Let me get right. to... Um, he explains that push notifications pass through a kind of digital post office run by the phone's operating system providers. Because Apple and Google deliver push notification data, they can be secretly compelled by governments to hand over this information. Meanwhile, the two companies welcomed Wyden's letter and acknowledged that push notification surveillance has been happening for a while. Apple even said it was not allowed to disclose government requests for push notification data, but will start informing users about it now. In this case, the federal government prohibited us from sharing any information, Apple said in a statement published by Reuters. Now that this method has become public, we are updating our transparency reporting to detail these kind of requests. Google also acknowledged the issue and said it shared Wyden's commitment to keeping users informed about these requests. Google's transparency report already documents governmental requests for users push notification data. They will find, when I say they, I'm talking about our government overlords, obviously. They will find absolutely any any method they possibly can to spy on us and collect as much data against us or, or about us as they possibly can so that when the day comes, because again, the government's only job is to arrest us and convict us and put us in jail. It's their only fucking job. To right. me, it's not their job to build roads. That's the private sector. It's their right. job to fight wars and arrest citizens that commit crimes. In the meantime, they collect this treasure trove of data so that when you do ultimately commit a crime, they can compile it all together, build a case against you, just like um, in Alex Jones's civil case, where, right. or any case where they get your phone records and shit like that. Well, they don't need to get your phone records. They already have them. Yeah, they already know. They have them. And now it turns out they don't just have the metadata. They have anything that comes to you as a push notification. The only safe way to get around this is to turn off push notifications entirely until Apple and Google can come up with a way to fully encrypt those push notifications so that the government, the only way the government can get access is to decrypt them themselves. Because right now, push no push is unencrypted. I didn't know this, but the actual push notification itself is unencrypted. That is a huge vulnerability, if you ask me. And like yeah. I said, I'm hoping that Apple and Google find a way around this. But yeah, the government just... Um, Dude, damn. Just fucking whatever they can do, man. Um, 
What are we saying in the chat here? Rumble says, I don't understand why the government is obsessed with harassing us. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Janine says, so they got caught. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have absolutely no desire. Listen, I'm not in a position of authority like the government, right? But I can tell you this. I have absolutely no desire to spy on my friends, my coworkers, right. employees, anything like that. No desire whatsoever. I don't, I don't live my life looking to, to gain a power advantage over other people. But that's what government does. That has right. become their raison d'etre lately, is to gain a power advantage over us. And they're doing everything they can to be able to reinforce that. And God, it's terrifying. There is no depth they will not sink to. Well, it's not just lately, right? It's just lately they've been more egregious about sort of flouting the rules. Oh yeah. They right? don't like, give a shit. Exactly. Like they, I think they've always wanted that. I mean, I think that's what government is, mm -hmm. is an entity that has power over us and they've always wanted the power, but like the, this government just doesn't give a shit about our rights. This administration so brazen about it. They implement or, or tried to implement the ministry of disinformation. Right. Yeah. I mean, they will straight up say, oh, we know this is a violation of your rights. We're going to do it anyway. Yes. And then yeah. we'll in just... fact, we're going to have a minister of censorship. Yeah. It's going to take a while for this to get to the court. And then they'll say we have to stop doing it. But in the meantime, we'll have been doing it for a while. Yes. Oh, it's absolutely it's it's amazing. And when they're ordered to shut it down, what do they do? They just give it a new name. Move it yeah. under, move it under the uh, authority of the White House, where there's zero transparency requirements, and they just keep on doing it. Well, like the the student loan debt forgiveness, Supreme Court said you can't do it. Joe Biden said, "Hold my, hold my beer," hold, hold or my, I guess, "Hold my butt." Hold my light. depends. Yeah, hold my butt. Speaking of Joe Biden, hold my insure. Dude, he looks like a naked baby mole rat. But it failed. He failed. Let me um. Am I let me. Go back. Look at that. He looks. He's. He looks like Mister Fucking Magoo. Is what really he does. That is a confused old man. But listen to what he says. Four years of infrastructure week, but it failed. He failed. On my watch, instead of infrastructure week, America's having infrastructure decade. <laughs> decade. Over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. Trump just talks the talk. We Over. walk. Over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. A billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. Trump just talks. How much? Over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, billion dollars. It's a lot of money. That's an awful lot of money. That's that's a six-year-old number is what that is. That's exactly what that is. That is a uh, six-year-old slash demented old man number. Um, and that's the former vice president of the United States right there. And guess what? That man is running for re-election. Only because Donald Trump is running. Yeah. Does, yeah, that's right. Doesn't look good for him today, though. New polls came out today. And um, he is not leading in any of them. 
Donald Trump is ahead in every single one by as much as seven points in some. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, just another reason that the Democrat, you're going to start to see Democrats begin to turn on Joe Biden and they're setting it up to replace him at the convention with uh, Gavin Newsom. You mark my words. But oh, yeah, yeah, that's sure. um, today's Joe Biden news. That's that's a number I'm unfamiliar with. A million. And Juden, you're a numbers guy. Right. And that's that's one I don't think I've ever yeah. heard. Um, let's talk about. Let's talk about, is it Elise Stefanik? Is that her name? Depends on who you're talking about. She's a senator who was questioning yes. the uh, question. New York. Yes, questioning. Well, let's let's just jump over to her. Let her let her tell us. Dr. Kornbluth, yes. does M at MIT does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? If targeted at individuals, not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated of, as harassment if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I, I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. B by the way... The the smirk on this woman's face right. shows the pure contempt for responsibility, for personal responsibility. She she is convinced that there's gonna be no repercussions for this, and she gets up there like a smarmy little bitch and um God, it's absolutely sickening. Let's keep watching. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. 
What's the context? Targeted as an individual. Targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When and it is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Pose a couple of hypotheticals here. Let's assume I were on one of these campuses, UPenn, MIT, or Harvard. Let's assume I was out there and I was advocating for the genocide of Kenyans. Let's say I wanted to wipe out all the N-words, right? Which, you know, she's talking about anti-Semitic rhetoric and it, that it, it can become actionable if it, if, it, uh, if it turns into conduct, right? Or turns into right. actual harm. Um, well, I mean, let's ignore the fact that these are the same people that will argue that words are violence. First of all, they're ignoring then, that part of their mantra entirely. But what they're arguing here is that the words don't don't constitute harm, is what they're arguing here. So that means that they would tolerate me on their campus saying, let's kill all the N-words. Let's kill them all. Let's, uh, let's wipe out Kenya. Let's wipe out Ghana. In fact, you know what? Let's go the whole hog. Let's wipe out Africa. Those, um, those N-words need to go from the, I can't say from the river to the sea, but let's, you know, let's say something comparable. Do you think for one second that would be tolerated on an American university campus? Not, not for a second, right? No. But when it comes to, to, to Jew-hating, when it comes to anti-Semitism, all three of these professors, who, by the way, all answered the same way, they've all been coached. They've been, whoever, whoever the DNC rep, the Democrat rep is for that, um, for that hearing, coached all three of them because they all had the same answer about it crossing over into conduct. Right. If, if it moves from rhetoric to conduct, then it becomes actionable. All three of them said the exact same thing. All three of those people would want me hung, drawn and quartered if I used any anti-African rhetoric, if I used any anti-trans rhetoric and dare I say any anti-woman rhetoric. Because those are the those are the three national those are the the three off limits topics in America right now. But advocating for the mass genocide of Jews, perfectly okay. In their Hang on, anti anti liberal women. Yeah. Because 
conservative women are fair game. Yeah, and we know that Jewish women are fair game because sexual violence against Jewish women is completely ignored. Yeah. Here's, I, I'm going to answer this question. By the way, I just noticed this in the chat. Oh, what is the question? Janine said, do these people deny the Holocaust happened? I was listening to, um, I was listening to Hannity today. And I haven't been able to verify these statistics, but I'm going to relay to you what Hannity reported today. 20%, one fifth of young Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 years old, one fifth deny that the, the Holocaust took place. One fifth of Americans, not through not through any kind of uh, anti-Semitic belief, but simply because they haven't been taught history. Right. We're focused on we're focused on gender issues. We're focused on racial issues. We're focused on stuff like that. We 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 don't teach history in our schools well, anymore. And a, f a full twenty percent don't don't believe they 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 it was referred to as a myth. They refer to the Holocaust as a myth. Well, Al, it makes perfect sense because a school year is still 180 days. And when we're adding shit like the, what is it, the 1619 Project, when you add that to the curriculum, something has to go. Because we didn't used to sit around for three weeks and fucking twiddle our thumbs. Right. So if you're spending three weeks teaching the 1619 Project, then three weeks of something else has to go. Right. May as well make it history. Yeah. And, and let's make it history about persecution of the Jews so right. that when it happens again, people won't point to this and say, wait a second, didn't we see, didn't we promise never we again? Done this before? Yeah. yeah. Didn't we vow never again? Unless, of course, you go to one of these universities, in which case, yeah, maybe just this once. Um, well, right. the, the, the smirky bitch, by the way, the, the, I'm going to call her a cunt because that's what she is. The, the smirky little cunt. She's gone. She's out, Danielle. She was forced to resign. UPenn's Liz McGill resigned on Saturday after facing mounting pressure to step down over disturbing remarks that she made this week while testifying before Congress. She's out. There's uh, the, the Harvard president, um, uh, Ms. Gay. I can't, I can't remember her first name. She is, she's on the chopping block. At the moment, she is uh, she's this close to going. In fact, the board of uh, regents, is that what they call it? Mm -hmm. The board of regents is deciding her fate, I believe, this week. No really, word. People are digging in, you know. No word about you, Penn, because here's the thing. There are there are there are such things as moral absolutes. No, no, no. That was you, Penn, that resigned. It's MIT. Sorry, we MIT. We haven't heard from. Thank you. A little um, twiddly twat, the first one that spoke. Yeah. There are moral absolutes in this world. Right. And just as no one should advocate for the genocide of Kenyans, for example, no one should be advocating for the genocide of Jews. It's unacceptable. I, I get that we have... Uh, uh, freedom of speech in the United States. But not all speech is protected. And quite frankly, not all speech should be 
protected. And speech is not protected on college campuses. We're not talking about in the United States. We're talking about on college campuses. Right. And the question, I'm sorry, I just, I jumped all over you, but that you're feel free to, because it's a valid point. And I've dealt with this shit on college campuses, on a college campus that there are, there is protected speech on college campuses and there are rules of conduct. And that was the specific question that was asked Mm-hmm. of each of these interesting that each of these presidents is a woman by the way but i mean um, you know yeah um sorry i just derailed myself each of them was asked is that a violation of your college's rules not of free speech mm-hmm. yeah but does it the, violate your code of conduct yes yeah and it absolutely violates the code of conduct of each of those schools. Yeah, it does. And if again, if it were any other minority group, it would be unquestioned. There would be no question, right? They don't. They don't like Ben Shapiro showing up. Oh, they hate him. We've we've seen conservatives banned from university campuses because they don't like their speech because speech is violence. Unless you're advocating for the wholesale murder of Jews, in which case, apparently, on university campuses, it is no longer violence. And you cannot have your cake and eat it too. You can't have it both ways. You either draw a line in the sand for everything or you allow everything. And they set this precedent by denying certain speech. They set this precedent. They they dug this they dug this hole for themselves, and uh, let's just let's just address the ugly elephant in the room. They don't they they specifically want to exclude Jews from the brotherhood of the oppressed because that's what this is. That's how they're defending Palestinians. That's how they're defending Hamas. Mm -hmm. That's how fucking BLM gets involved in this whole thing. That's how all of those groups get involved in this whole thing is that if, if one person or one group is oppressed, we're all oppressed. So we all have to stand up for each other. Well, Jews who have been oppressed and hunted for their entire existence as a people don't get to count in that brotherhood of the oppressed because they are successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Claudine and, Gay is uh, Harvard's president, by the way. Yeah. And because the Jews and the Muslims are in an absolute blood feud and. I know they cannot coexist. I know. So Janine said she was pissed speaking of, I assume she's speaking of uh, Elise there. And yeah, she was rightly pissed. Right. She was rightly pissed. First of all, they don't answer your questions. And we've talked about this before. Any Senate hearing you go to, you never hear the witness answer questions and there's never any repercussions for it. And there should be, there should be not only should all of those presidents uh, university presidents be fired they should also be brought up on criminal fucking charges for obstruction of congress is what should happen um rumpel says i'm watching the people behind her they're uncomfortable with this too yes because there are moral absolutes in this right. world and they know damn well they know as well as i do if we were talking about any other minority group if we were talking about gays, if we were talking about women, if we were talking about blacks, if we were talking about Muslims, they know damn well this would not be tolerated on any American university campus. 
And this right. it's the double standard that infuriates me. You either allow it all or you allow none of it. And um, whatever, I, I, I can't stand these people. But this is the thing. It's, it's not just these three. First of all, Congress have now uh, initiated an investigation. Let's take a look at this. Congress has opened an investigation into Harvard, MIT, and the University of Pennsylvania after their presidents faced widespread backlash following their testimony about growing anti-Semitism on their campuses. All three leaders testified before the House Committee on Education and the Workforce on Tuesday and dodged questions on whether the students calling for the genocide of Jews violates their school's code of conduct. In response, the House committee opened an investigation into the three institutions as its chairwoman, Republican Congresswoman Virginia Fox of North Carolina, criticized the schools for failing to tackle the rampant anti-Semitism on their campuses. In addition, the trio are facing calls to resign, as well as the loss of significant funds from donors. According to the Wall Street Journal, hedge fund manager Ross L. Stevens said that he would pull back a donation to Penn worth approximately $100 million, absent a change in the school's leadership. That's how you deal with this problem. You hit him in the pocketbook. I'm, I'm really, really glad that Congress is open in this investigation and they better follow through with it. And that follow through better include stripping every cent of American taxpayer money that goes to these universities. Let them let them continue to get their Hamas money. Let right. them get their their, um, you know, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iranian money. Let them get their investments from over there. But God damn it, take American money away from these universities. But here's the problem. It's not just those three, and it's not just those three presidents. And the New York Post summed it up quite well today. One awful university president pres down, most of U.S. academia to go. This was from the New York Post editorial board. You can find all of our links and sources on Locals. Um, follow our page over there for free. Become a free member on Locals, and you'll get our show notes each show. One damn two to go, Elise Stefanik cheered of UPenn President Liz McGill's resignation. If it were only, if it were that easy, if only it were that easy. God, I can't even read. Yes, Harvard's Claudine Gay and MIT's Sally Kornbluth ought to follow McGill in quitting after the three presidents' disgraceful performance at last week's House hearing on campus anti-Semitism. But the problem is not just these three, nor is it just anti-Semitism. The rot in U.S. academia goes far, far deeper than that. Most American university leaders would have done just as badly, and so would the default replacements for McGill and Co. I do recommend you go to Locals, click on that link, read the rest of that editorial, because it's extremely good. And, and it sums up the problem that we face. And it matters because all of our future leaders are coming out of these universities. Our future right. leaders aren't coming from trade schools. 
they're not coming out of high school, going into the work, going in, getting a work experience and then running for a higher office. They're all coming out of these uh, mostly Ivy League schools, but it's not just the Ivy League schools that are that are the problem here. It is the entirety of American academia has been infected to its core by hard left woke ideology and socialism. It's Marxism is effectively what it is. Right. Our college campuses are Marxist breeding grounds. And if we don't address that, none of this matters. This House investigation isn't going to matter. Three people resigning and being replaced by cookie cutter. Rep they won't be cookie cutter because two of those, um, two of those women were white they're going to be replaced by women of color, obviously. Right. So progress. There will be progress well, to come out sure of this. And I'm sure all three of those women are tenured, so they're not leaving the universities. Well, the the one that's already uh, uh, resigned, yes, she keeps her tenured professorship. Yeah, at, they're staying uh, at the universities, UPenn. so yeah. they'll be on all the committees and all the things. Yeah, no, there's no punishment here, no accountability no. here. No. It's um, yes, she's she's resigned, but she's going to keep her job, keep or or keep a job there, keep her pay. She's tenured, so she won't be doing anything. She'll do what she wants, which is well, to she'll teach a couple of classes and she'll write so that she'll get grant money. Yeah, she'll continue exactly to she'll in, indoctrinate your kids. She'll continue to uh, foster anti-Semitism and um, and promote Marxism. That's that's her job and her goal in life, and she'll be replaced by a a, a clone, a clone or maybe a different color, but a clone will replace her, and uh, nothing is going to change. We need to pull all taxpayer funding from these universities. Any foreign student and. A lot of the problem are foreign students on these campuses that are that are pushing this anti-Semitic rhetoric. They need to have their visas pulled from them and they need to be expelled from the country. And I, that may sound a bit harsh, but harsh is what we need to do right now. Harsh is the only possible solution for this right now. Because if there is no accountability, it's going to continue. And right now, it's the Jews. What's next? Go peer over at South Africa and look what's happening over there to uh, now the minority white people. Right. They're the ones whose heads are on the chopping blocks. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but I'm saying there will be something after the Jews, conservative Christian white men, most likely, will be the next uh, will be the next target of hard left genocide calls. That's who will be next. Maybe could be, could quite frankly could be anybody at this point. Whoever pisses them off on a particular day will be the target of their vitriol for, for right. a while.
But we know that uh, people like me, people that look like me, we know that we're already targets. Our government has made it abundantly clear we are, we are the national security threat to America, and we're the ones they're coming after with a vengeance. So yeah, most likely we will be the next uh, target of genocide, of the next target of destruction on U.S. campuses. But it doesn't matter who it is. It's unacceptable. Doesn't matter if it's people that look like me. Doesn't matter if it's Jews. Doesn't matter if it's Asians, Indians. Doesn't right. matter. It's unfucking acceptable, especially in institutions that are taking money from the American taxpayer. If you want to be a private college, then you know what? Be a private college. Simple as that. No taxpayer money to you, period, even in the form of student loans. No taxpayer-funded student loans should even go to benefit these, these just garbage shitholes because that's what they are yeah i mean that's a real thing like there are schools that don't get government-backed student loans if yeah. you go there you got to either pay or take a private loan yeah that's why the smirky count was such a smirky yeah she had a golden parachute you're not yeah. wrong Yes. Rumpel asked, by the side note, did you see Dylan Mulvaney's empty university speech? Uh, I, saw, I didn't see the uh -uh. speech, but I did see the, um, the, the footage from the, uh, from the venue, from the arena. It looked like an arena. And yeah, it was, it was virtually empty. Now, I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if the photos I saw were taken two hours before he was, or she, I should say, was... Um, do to speak or while she was actually in the, that's a, the dude in a dress. So that's a, he, it's a, he for sure. And I, you know what? And I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't care what the truth value of the thing is. He held a party and nobody came. So I'm going to make yeah. fun of it. By the way, I I'm sure many of you saw the army Navy game with everybody jumping up and down, yelling, fuck Joe Biden. Um, that, that wasn't, that, that was a, a AI deep fake. I wish that would have happened at the army Navy game, but, uh, unfortunately that one's a fake and I almost fell for it. I didn't see it. Is it good? Yeah, it's great. If it was, and if it was real, it would be even better, but unfortunately they weren't. Is it the cadets that. or the, uh, I, I, it's the, I guess they're students at the, yeah. um, yeah. The, so yes cadets yeah dude those are actual like like service members oh yeah or they will be they're all in uniform and they're all chanting well in this video they're all chanting fuck joe biden um but yeah unfortunately it was uh it was a deep fake which is a shame because it would have been amazing um however the, what they were really yelling of course was let's go brandon because that's that's what that's how the media hear it. Let's go, Brandon. There right. they are yelling, let's go, Brandon. God, that was absolutely funny. amazing. All right, dude, we are way over. We are. Let's get out of here. Wrap this up. We gotta go. You done? Yeah. Y'all, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Bye guys. Bye now. See you.